Turn with me in the book of John. I think we'll stay in the book of John tonight for a little thought God laid on our heart. John 3, 15, not 16. I preached a little bit this morning. God had given me the message again on shake it off, but he tied John three sixteen with it this morning. Uh, in John 3 and 15, the Bible said that whatsoever, notice this, believeth in him, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Did your Bible read like that? You probably got a good one then. Chris, do the honor, brother. Amen. John said some things here that we need to understand. We know that John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world. But here in 15, John said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. John gave us some knots in there. Not perish. What does that mean? That means that you'll never, ever go away. Isn't it funny that hell, they're begging to die and can't die. They're wanting to die and get out of the misery, but it's impossible because they're in eternal damnation. In heaven, they're in eternal life. means that they're living and they're going to keep on living forevermore. But John said here that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Now, think about this. We believe in a lot of things, but do we truly believe in him? Him alone. When Brother Randy got to preaching up there the other night about what was going on on the inside of that tomb... It got me excited thinking about everything that was going on the inside was for me. He did that because he loved us. He got to talking about how that they put the seal around the door, how they put the seal on it, that nobody could open it. Well, God had different ideas, didn't he? Sent an angel down there to open the door, not to let Jesus out, but to prove to us, he had already left. Amen. Now you think about this. John said, not to perish. Can I uh, help some folks? I, I believe, that, brother, that there's a lot of people perishing and sitting on a pew. They're withering away. They've given up on God. Now let me tie what he said Friday night in with this. We are perishing because of what's going on on the inside of us. We're drying up. We're getting further away from God rather than getting closer to God. We've been asking and starting prayer for revival. Well, to have revival, it's got to be a renewing on the inside of you. You can dress up better. You can cut your hair better. You can put on a better suit of clothes. But that don't make you saved. That don't make you revived. John said that we might not perish. How many is perishing tonight? Well, look at the churches. Half of them, the pews is empty in half of them. Some of them are shutting down every day. Amen. Look with me, if you will, in John 4 and 14. The Bible said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Are you with me? Woo! I'm glad for that kind of water. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up 
into everlasting life. <laughs> Not many of us, but some of us is old enough to have gone to the spring box. Anybody ever gone to the spring and it be dry? Yeah, dried up. I helped my grandpa. He called it reviving. I'll never forget it. That's the only one and the only time I ever helped revive a spring. I didn't know what to do. Grandpa had a big long steel rod. And he called me Rodney. He said, Rodney, come on and help me. I went with him. We got down where the spring branch used to be. And he started with that rod. And he started poking back in that mountain. And I thought, what is Grandpa doing? And he just kept on with that same motion. Never get in a hurry. This constant. This constant. And you could hear him hitting a rock in there. And I thought, Grandpa, you ain't going no further. There's a rock in there. And he just kept on. Kept on. Kept on. A few minutes, I seen a little bit of water trickling out. A little bit later, come gushing out. He said, Rodney, he said that thing got stopped up, didn't it? And I thought, how does a spring get stopped had blocked it. Something had got in its way. What's got in our way tonight that's stopping us? What's got in our way tonight that that well ain't springing up like it once was? And what amazed me when it first started, I thought, well, he's going to quit. No, he's still there. Just like that, this constant. Bang, bang, bang. I said, Papa, it's running. He said, no. He said, that's false water. I said, what do you mean false water? He said, that's a little pocket in there that's built up. And he said, it'll sucker punch you. I'll never forget him. He said, it'll sucker punch you. He said, it'll trickle for a little while and then it'll trickle out. Man, I got thinking about that. I said, Grandpa, New Baptist, sure the world. They trickle out after a little while. Amen. They gush for a little while, jump and shout and run through the house of God. But eventually they just trickle out, amen, and they're gone. Grandpa kept a poking that rock. It got to gushing pretty good, and all of a sudden it went back to a trickle. Grandpa said, see there, I told you. I told you, and he's still a-pounding. That rod probably weighed 40 pounds. He's a-pounding. He's a-gouging. And every time that gouge, it was going maybe a quarter of an inch deeper, just a little deeper all the time. By the time he got done, that seven-foot rod was four foot back in that bank. And he had three foot outside. He said, we're getting there. We're almost to it, Rodney. He said, keep on, son. Help me. And my job was to keep the rock and the trash pulled out of the way. As he was a-swinging, he said, now don't let me hit you with it. And I thought, Grandpa, how can you keep swinging that rod this constant? Just constant. But see, what he had done is what we don't do anymore. He had paced himself. We'll rush in like a wildfire. We'll do every job in the church. And then we burn out. And then we run out. Amen. And we don't see them anymore at the house of God. John's trying to tell us in this scripture, hey, just get a good rhythm and stay with it. Listen, C.A. Hensley helped me with this long, long years ago. A child that grows too fast is abnormal. A child that grows too slow is abnormal. 
Uncle A said, son, just try to stay normal. That you should have laughed right there because they ain't never been a hensley normal. <laughs> and that's my sister back there laughing at me that hard. But isn't it true? See, A was normal. That makes you abnormal. <laughs> See, A loved the Lord. What he was trying to get me to understand was everybody grows at different paces. I wasn't big enough to swing that rod two times. And here Grandpa had been for 45 minutes, just slow and steady, slow and steady. What he done, he got in a position where he was comfortable. He got in a position where he could do it. And he got in a rhythm to where the rhythm helped him because every time it hit, it bounced back. It bounced back. So he is only putting half the effort that you and I would because we'd be jamming it in, jerking it out, jamming it in. You ain't never pulled a crosscut saw with my papa. My papa would say, all right, quit riding that thing, boy. Quit riding it, pull it, push it. You know you have to push one, too. You don't just pull. When it's going back, you push. And if you didn't push, that's called riding it. Quit riding that saw, boy. And he had done that so much, he had already had the rhythm, he had the strength, that when it come time to poke that hole to get that water to flow, he knew what to do. He knew how to do it, and he continued till he got the water running steady. When we left, and as far as I know to this day, that spring is still running in that little holler in Madison County. Listen, church, we need to get in the right rhythm. We need to get in the right position. We need to get in the right place. That amazed me also. How did Grandpa know exactly where to start that rod? And I asked him that very question. He said, from experience. In other words, that wasn't his first time of ever doing that. And Grandpa was probably in his 70s then. Now think about it. What are you going to do when you're 70? Probably like me, nothing. Or very little. I figured Gail would say amen right there because I ain't done much lately. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Have you ever had a, a special place you liked water? The water out here has always been good to me. Uh, Brooks water's always been real good. I mean, all water's good, but some of it just tastes better, don't it? Ain't that funny? Look in chapter 5, if you will, in the book of John, and verse number 24. The Bible said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that, notice it says, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. No condemnation. You know what he's talking about? Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Adam condemned us, folks. We were condemned to die and be separated from God. But Jesus put us back in fellowship. 
He said there's not going to be no condemnation. Now think about this. How many will stand before God one of these days and the Lord's going to look them over. Now stay with me. I'm just going to give you my view of this. And they're going to stand there with their chest thrown out and all puffed up on what they have done. How do you know that? Well, the scripture tells us that, doesn't it? They're going to throw their little pompous fits, you know, and parade theirself before God like, hey, I'm going to be number one in this deal. And God's going to look at them and say, depart, I never knew you. And, and they're going to say, but Lord. Now, you know what he said when he said, but, he, but Lord. He said, Lord, you made a mistake. I've cast out devils in your name. Mm. You have. I never knew you. How'd you cast them out in my name? I never knew you. Right? And they're going to stand there with their arrogant ways and they're going to say, but Lord, I pastored the biggest church in the United States. Huh. I never knew you. I never knew you. Oh, oh, by the way, I never was in your church. Because if that head ain't right, the body can't be right. Right? 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, if that pulpit ain't right, the rest of the congregation won't be right. But sometimes you can have that one right and some in the congregation not right. <laughs> that, their name is Hensley. I'll just pick on me. I started to say Chris, and I thought better. I better not. He's delicate tonight. I've done had to pet him once. His wife's petting me. Pet him again. He's getting feathers ruffled up. Everybody give him a hug before he leaves. Make sure. Give him a little sugar on the cheek. Yeah, give him a little sugar on the cheek. That'll help him. That'll help him. You, you might save his wife's lips if you do. Just think about that. He needs a little pet and a little sugar. Hey, we all do every once in a while. I like a little sugar every once in a while. I like a hug. Amen. Yeah, I like a little pet and rub me on the back a little. I can't get it at home. Ashton won't do it. If she does it, it's painful. Here, Bible, let me rub you back. Oh, oh, oh. Aren't we all that way with God? Aren't we all that way with God sometimes? I'm not going to perish, are you? I'm not going to stand before God in a pompous way and say, Lord, I casted out devils. I done this and I done that. No, friend, when I stand before God, I'm going to be flat of my face. Why? Because that's what a humble spirit will do. He'll lay down in front of God knowing that he ain't worthy of nothing but hell, but he's praying and hoping for mercy and grace. And if you got mercy and grace here and got saved, you'll get it there. This part, a lot of people, listen, I've talked to people with this very attitude. Oh, I'll get saved when I get in front of God. That ain't scripture. That ain't nowhere in the King James Bible. It might be in some of these perversions they got out nowadays. But that ain't in no King James Bible that you'll get saved when you stand before God. Oh, I'll repent when I get there. No, you won't. You'll either be so pompous and hard-headed that you'll stand there and argue with God. And God's going to say, depart, I never knew you. Should not perish. You shouldn't be condemned. 
Let, let me get this point in there before I forget it. You know, the world is trying to condemn us, saying that we're condemning others. I'm not condemning nobody. I'm stating facts of what the Word of God said. No drunkard shall enter in. That's the Word of God. And he's got a whole list of those that ain't going to get in. If you're in that list, guess what? You ain't getting in. I don't care what you did at the church. I don't care what you thought you did. If you did it God's way, you're not going to heaven. Amen. You're already condemned yourself because you haven't truly believed the Word of God. The true and living Word of God. You're not going to perish if you're where you ought to be. You're not going to be condemned if you're where you ought to be. Are you with me? Say amen. <clears throat> Listen. Some of us tonight need to understand something. You're thirsty and you don't realize it. You really are thirsty and you don't realize it. Can I help you tonight? Probably everybody in this building at one time or another has been so sick and somebody that loved you gave you a glass of something and said, here, drink this. And you said, no, I don't want it. And the reason they was giving it to you, number one, your body probably needed the water or whatever, some kind of liquid to help you. But you were in such a condition, you didn't want it. You were so sick, you didn't know you needed it. I'll never forget, Brooke and Haley's mama, I'd had the flu. I mean, I had it bad. My wife changed the sheets every day. I sweated so much and I was so weak. I hadn't eaten nothing, hadn't drunk very little in a whole week. And Lynette come in there and she always called me Pop. She said, Pop, drink this. I didn't know what it was. I said, Honey, I don't want nothing. She said, You're going to drink this. I said, Honey, I don't feel like you're going to drink this. Set up, Pop. And she got me by the head and zipped me up. She stuck that glass to my lip and I either drunk it or drowned. And she poured that down me and she wouldn't give me a breath. She made sure I drunk it all. I said, my God, what was that? She said, that's something to help you. Shut up and lay down. Well, later I got well, she told me what it was. It was white liquor and Swedish bitters. I sweated that night. I did, brother. I mean... You could have wrung water out of the bed sheets, but it knocked it out of me. It got me over the hump. She, my wife, everybody said, we thought you was going to die. I said, you hadn't eaten nothing. You hadn't drunk nothing. And she made me drink. Wouldn't it be good if the Holy Ghost just come down, slapped you on top of the head, and made you drink something of the water of life tonight? I wish to God he would, a lot of you. Amen. But he's a perfect gentleman. He won't never force you to drink it. But he'll sure make it available where you can. Amen. And he'll sure hope and pray that you will. He'll make it inviting. He'll make it appetizing. He's told you it's good for you. Amen. He said you'd never thirst again when you drink that water. Now listen tonight. In John chapter number 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. So not only is he the water, he's also the bread. Let me ask everybody a serious question tonight. Since you got saved, have you been looking for another Savior? Now think about what I just said. If Jesus ain't enough to sustain you, because he is the water of life, he is the bread of life, and if you truly have him, then you're happy with him, and you're not looking for another. But I've seen people come to the altar and say they got saved and turn right around and go to looking for another way. Hello, church member. They ain't no other way to heaven. You must be born again is what the word of God says. There's not but one name given under heaven and that's the name of Jesus. It's the only one. So why do we look for another? Wait, wait, wait. Let me help you. That's the reason they made so many perversions of the Bible. So no matter how you wanted to get in, you'd have a way to get in through that word. Well, anything that leaves 6,700 plus words out it's got to be no Bible at all. Anything that change a virgin birth is not a Bible. The deity of Christ, if they change that, it's not a Bible. If they try to change the resurrection, it's not a Bible. Amen. It might be a book, but it ain't a Bible. Are you with me? And I, I was telling a, a young man this week, I said, do you know why every one of these guys want to write a Bible and they'll put their name to it and say their version of the Bible. He said, no, why do they do that? I said, because they can't make a dollar off the King James. They have to change it and put their name to it so they can get paid royalty. And that's the reason they do that. Oh, it's easier to understand. Well, I'm no college graduate, but I don't have no understanding the Word of God when He wants me to understand it. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question. Why do people go to school? They go to school, right? And once they learn it, then somebody gives them a test to see if they really did learn it, right? And if they didn't learn it, they have to do that course over, right? You didn't learn it. We're going to put you back and do it again, Right? Well, why do you think you're going to know everything in that Bible the first day you get saved? <laughs> no, you're in the learning process. See, when you got saved, you opened up the window for God to open up your mind to receive what thus saith the Word of God. He's not going to open it to the lost. He's going to open it to the saved. They're trying to get it to where the Bible has no salvation and no Holy Ghost so everybody can understand it. Well, if there ain't enough power in it to get you saved, I don't want to read it. If there ain't enough power in it to keep you saved, I don't want to read it. Hello? I don't stick with the old stuff. It's done good enough for me and Grandpa and Grandma all the way down the line. That's how my children got saved. That's how my grandchildren getting saved. Amen. My great-grandchildren getting saved. 
through and by the true living word of God. Say amen. I love this book. I am the bread and I am the water. Now notice what he said. He that believeth on me shall never thirst again. You're not going to be hungry. You're not going to be thirsty because you're going to be satisfied. Let me help everybody. If we had big screen TVs up here, I'd be satisfied. Uh Uh-oh, I've ruffled somebody's feathers. If we had some light shows to keep my attention, if we had a fog machine and... and, uh, colored lights up here where we could change the atmosphere hmm I'd be satisfied well if you got the big monitors up there and let me say this there's nothing wrong with monitors for people to see the word of God there's nothing wrong with that but when you put that with the rest of then you got a sideshow. Well, if we get a sideshow started, listen, every show I've ever known that's ever been put on in history had a new version come out in a year or two. Well, they're kind of used to that lights and them strobes and that fog. We're going to have to do something else now. We got to keep their attention, Chris. Come on, man, you, you, you're an old fogey. You ain't caught up. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. Don't you have none of that? I had a lady one time several years ago said, Do you have I want to at your church? I said, We sure do. She said, Really? I said, Yeah, we got I want to. I want more people to sit on the pews. I want more people in the choir. I want more people testifying. I want more people reading their Bible. I want more people praying. No, 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 preacher. I, I mean for the children. I said, Lord God, I want all my children praying, seeking God. I really want them to. She never did come. What she was saying was, do you have a babysitting program? These heathens are killing me. And I want to pawn them off on somebody else for a couple hours so I can get some relief. I'm not going to teach them nothing. I'm not going to correct them. I don't want nobody else to correct them. I don't want nobody else to teach them. I just need a little relief. Well, can I say this? I want to smack some of them. And I want to smack some of you sometimes. You better be glad you're getting petting tonight and started slapping. Right? You're just that close. (laughs) Now think about it. What do you come to church for? What do you really come to church for? Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Did you come in here and say, I want my song sung? I want him to shut up in 15 minutes so I can go to the house. Who's playing ball tonight? I ain't either. 
Y'all ain't a bit of help in this message. You'll find out when they get home. You've got the message right there. There's two of them are playing. Wonder how many laid out of church to see it. I'm serious, folks. I'm serious, folks. I wonder how many, oh, God, they're playing. I, church can wait. They ain't going to miss me for a week, right? No, they won't miss you for a week. Then it'll be two weeks, and then it'll be three weeks, and then when the preacher calls you, what are you calling me for? Well, you hadn't been in church in three weeks. I thought it cost if you was dead. But since you answered the phone, you must not be dead. So you don't have an excuse, huh? That don't never go over real well. That don't never really go over well. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm meddling now, ain't I? I'm preaching tonight on shall not. Do you realize that God gave some commandments? Thou shall not. Them wasn't suggestions. He gave some commandments. Thou shall not. And we take it so lightly that, oh, that loving God, he, He'll let me. <laughs> he loves me. Me and Him got an understanding. We're on the same page. Yeah, but the trouble of it is, you're in the wrong book. <laughs> Lord, I'm beginning to have a lot of fun right now. The devil ain't liking this. <laughs> John chapter 8, verse number 12. <laughs> you know, every time a preacher goes to having joy at preaching, the devil gets mad. <laughs> then spake Jesus again unto them. Uh-oh, he had to talk to them again. Saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Ain't no darkness. Have you ever done anything and you wondered if it was sin? Now think about what I just said. See, maybe you've done it and you didn't really know whether it was or not, but the Holy Ghost began to convict you. And it got your mind to thinking, well, did I sin? Then the devil steps in and said, nah, do it again. Didn't feel like sinning to me, right? Have you ever read the Bible enough to know whether it was sin or not? If you felt condemned, convicted by it, it was probably sin. And God's trying to get your attention to where you will repent of those things. And then you'll go find somebody and you'll say, Benny, this don't sound like sinning to me. What do you think? And if Benny ain't in the book and the book in Benny, he's going to agree with them. How do you know that, preacher? I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. Preacher, what do you think about this? And I say, well, let's get the book and see what the book says about that. Oh, no, no, I just want your opinion. Well, my opinion is the book said don't do it, don't do it. No, they don't want the truth. They want you to agree with them. But if you want to make heaven your home... You're going to have to go with the book. Amen. 
Do you realize that the graduation program on this, you can't take the test over? Because when he says depart, it's over. It's sealed. It's done. You can't say, half time, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, hold on. Let me run and take his test over. I'll repent now. No, 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 it's over. It's over. When I was in school, when I was in the hospital for 19 days, midterm came up. I just got out of the hospital, and they were trying to figure out because right before midterms back then, they reviewed everything that went over. And I didn't get there for the review. And they had to go into conference and find out whether to give me the test or not. And I finally said, just give me the test and see what I do. Can I be honest with you? That's the best test I ever had. I'm at 85 strutted around y'all thought I was stupid didn't you I just showed you something Chris God is my witness the principal my teacher got together got me and said how did you cheat no they're probably expecting a 28 or lower but it just happened to be on some things that I knew. Now, if they give me another different test, I'd have probably flunked it. But that particular test, God helped me. I passed it, and they had to pass me on. Of course, they was glad to pass me on. They wanted rid of me when they met me. But I thought, all these years, down through the years, that was the only time I said, God, I need a little help in this. I said, now God, I ain't been there 19 days. I don't know what they've reviewed. I don't know what the test is going to be on. And if you don't help me, I'm going to have to do this grade over and I'm going to be ill as a hornet and they really ain't going to like me then. And I, I believe God sitting up in heaven said, he'll be a mass murderer if he fails. <laughs> so they sent me on and I made it. But the thing of it is, how many of us never call on God till it's too late? It's after the fact, not before the fact. We see it a coming, we know it's a coming, but we don't call on God till it's too late. And then we want to blame God because it happened to us. Do you not never see it coming? Yeah, we see it coming a lot of times. You ever had the, the flu, the cold, or anything? It always give a little warning, didn't it? You had a sniffle or a sneeze or a cough or burning eyes or something. You knew something was coming. Are you in me? Say amen. I believe that with all my heart. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Shall not walk in darkness. Walking in darkness, you can't see your way. If you've got the light, you know the answer. It's in the book. 
Hello? For every question you have in your life, it's in this book. Are you with me? Say amen. John chapter number 10, verse number 28. The Bible said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Are you with me? If you get out of God's hand, you've done it. Amen. You can't blame your mama, your daddy, your aunt, your uncles, your situation, the world, the government, your president. You can't blame none of those. If you're out of the will of God, it's you that got you out of the will of God. Simple as that, isn't it? But see, we don't want that kind of truth. We sure don't want it from the pulpit. Oh, preacher, I am what I am because God made me this way. No, no, no. You chose your lifestyle. You chose what you are. Amen. You might not be able to choose if you want to be seven foot tall. You can't choose that. Well, you can choose changing the color of your hair. You can even change having hair or no hair. Yeah, you can change that. They do implants. They do wigs. They do all kinds of stuff. You can look like uh, Led Zeppelin week if you want to I better not see it you're going to visit in some other church right just don't ever mention that you're a member of charity's mission looking like that don't even say you're a Christian when you look like that would you please don't blame God for the way you look it's your closet it's your dollar you can look however you want to If you come in here in a three-piece suit, that still don't make you saved. Don't even make you right with God. And in my case, probably won't even make you look better. Right? So what do we really want? What do we really want when we come to the house of God? What do we really want out of the book? What do we want out of the sermons? What do we want out of the singing? What do we want when we spend our time at church? When we leave, do we want to be full or do we want to be just miserable? (laughs) Can I say this, please? Listen. I know some people that'd rather leave the church miserable. They came miserable and they want to leave miserable so they'll have something to complain about. You know anybody like that? That was the worst sermon I ever heard. In fact, just this week I had a man tell me, he was talking to me and he's talking, trying to understand. And he said, have you ever heard Brother David Edwards preach? I said, I sure have and I sure enjoy hearing him preach. He said, I know a person that heard him preach and said, that's the worst message, the worst preacher I ever heard in my life. I said, let me tell you something. Whoever that was, was under conviction so bad they had to blame the preacher. I said, I've heard David Edwards many, many times. He's a wonderful preacher. He's a powerful preacher. He is a Word of God preacher. I said, I can't say nothing bad about that brother because I've heard his Word. And he said, what do you think? I said, that person's lost. They're trying to blame somebody else. What he done? He must have preached on that person's pet peeve. (laughs) Woo, killed him. (laughs) 
Isn't it funny that lost folk want to blame the preacher, the singing? <laughs> I'll never forget what down there at Redeemed Free Will Baptist Church. Brother Grant was preaching. I was saved. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. But I kept saying, God, he's killing me. I went and prayed five times during his message. I know people kept wondering, what is he going to the altar for? He's killing me. I kept saying, God, if you shut him up, I'll go repent. God said, go repent. I'd go repent, sit back down. He'd catch another gear on another subject. And I'd say, oh, God, help me again. God said, go repent. Would you make five trips to the altar in one service? I'm preaching here. Help me. <laughs> Chapter 11, verse 26 in closing. And whosoever liveth, notice this, and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Remember me saying the other week how many went in and how many came out believing it? Brother Chris, ever since I preached that, I got to thinking. I wonder how many come into the church every week and when they leave out, they don't really believe it. I, I've got some facts that I believe it'll back it up. They don't come back. If they believed it, they'd come back. I believe if they received it, they'd come back. If they understood it, they'd come back. I never forget over the years, Brother Chris, and, and this will help you in your days ahead. Benny, how many have we baptized over the years and we never seen them matter we baptized them? Oh, that'd be a low number. I'd be conservative. I mean, be faithful till you baptized them. I never see them again. How, how can that be, folks? How can you go to church, say you got saved, be there three or four months, get baptized, and never come back to God's house? That'd be like going to the preacher and getting married and never show up for the wedding night. Wait a minute. Oh, I got married this morning. I forgot that. I'm in another state now. With another woman. You know that's the part that people don't understand. When they come to the house of God. And they say they got God. Now listen to me carefully. I'm done. And they leave. The Bible said. They went whoring after other gods. Whoring after other gods. Are you with me? Now think about this. This ain't going to sound good. Hold your seat. Are you a whore? Amen, preacher! Walk out the door. Whoring after other gods. Sing it, choir! Go out the door and go whoring after other gods. Now think about this. John had some things not to do. Some things I read to you tonight, we ought to do. 
Are we guilty of not doing or are we guilty of doing? You know, there's got to be a balance there. Because there's some things that Christians can't do. There's some things that Christians ought to be doing that they're not doing. What about you as an individual? Let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment. If you feel the need to come pray, would you come right now? Something that was said in this message spoke to your heart and you just need to come pray. Step out. Come right now. Don't hesitate. The devil will talk you out of it. You want to be better, closer to God? You want God to bless you, bless your family? God spoke to your heart. You need to be praying then. Something going on in your family that you're not happy with? Bring it to God right now. Bring it to Him and say, God, I... I I'm not liking this. Something's wrong. Something's happening. Something needs to change in their lives. Some need to get saved. Some need to be rededicated. Some need a a revival of God and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in their heart. Bring them to Jesus tonight. Would you please? Father, I thank you for the privilege. I thank you, Lord, for such a great opportunity to share the gospel. John said there's some things that shall not. Lord, help us to realize and understand the things that we should not be doing. But Lord, help us to understand the things that we need to be doing. God, that you'd be pleased with them. Lord, that each and every heart here tonight hear this message. And God, not just hear it, but Lord, yield to it. We're wanting revival, Lord. We're wanting the pews filled. We're wanting God to save souls here. Lord, we must be right in tune with God. Let it be so tonight, Father, that you speak to every one of these hearts and these lives. God, there's many that we're praying for that's grown weak and weary in the fight. Go to them right now where they're at, Father. Speak to their hearts. Let them see, Lord, that they need to come back to Jesus. Come back to the house of God. Come back to the power of the Holy Ghost that can keep them. Your blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.